Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Happy Resurrection Day to all of you who are with us today joining with Bethesda Christian Church Online. Happy Easter. Despite the fact that this is the fifth Sunday, believe it or not, five Sundays we've been separated, not meeting together under one roof, meeting online. Despite that fact, we have some light at the end of the tunnel. Our current end date, according to Michigan's governor, is April 30th. I'm looking forward to being back in God's house in the month of May, and I'm looking forward to seeing all your faces again. We're going to make sure the church is clean and safe and a great place to be together to worship God. Let's look forward to it. Until then, we have to live in this quarantine state. It's a bit of an inconvenience, but despite that inconvenience, it is a good morning. Easter Sunday morning, when we commemorate Jesus vacating his tomb. Resurrection, it's a glorious day. And we're coming to you from our house And I'm grateful to our other ministers and our instrumentalists and vocalists who have opened up their homes for you to join in and be a part of this service. Thank you. Thank you to them. And I want to say also to you, Bethesda, church, thank you. I know that many of you are without work and your household finances have been shaken, yet you are so faithful in your responding through your giving And that is sustaining the church. And it is really heartwarming. So many of you, quite a few, have turned to digital giving that has been so helpful. And many continue to use good old U.S. mail. I received a photo this week with a, a note. It was a text message from our treasurer, Todd Carley. And with that photo, it said this. Today's mail. Wow! Exclamation point. Thank you, church. And I want to echo that. Yes, thank you. Did you see that photo? Did you see all the different color envelopes? That's faithfulness. Faithfulness to tithing and missions and building and education. And it is such a great picture, a great image of unity and love and common purpose, common unity and faithfulness. And God blesses such faithfulness. Until we get back together, though, we are going to be living and experiencing this time of quarantine, but there are still positive things to lift us up this morning. Your faithfulness, so positive. And of course, there's nothing more positive than the resurrection of Jesus. Easter is Resurrection Day. This morning, today, it marks the culmination of Jesus' mission on earth, the resurrection. I'm going to briefly speak to that, and then Pastor Julie's going to follow up with a great word you do not want to miss. It's going to bless you, so don't, don't disconnect. I begin in the New Testament with the Apostle Paul. This author of the New Testament, he summed up Jesus' mission superbly in his letter to the church in the Greco-Roman city of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 6, Paul gives us this great summary of Jesus' mission. He wrote this, For what I received I passed on to you 
as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep or died. Paul, in these few lines, he sums up the mission of Jesus. And what was the mission of Jesus? It was to die for our sins. Jesus was the perfect sinless sacrifice who made restitution for the death penalty imposed on us for sin. And now we don't bear that penalty when we believe in Jesus and we believe that he received the penalty for us. Not only did Jesus receive that penalty when he gave his life on the cross, Paul wrote, he was buried. He was buried in a tomb and he rose from the dead. And there were eyewitnesses to this resurrection. Jesus' closest followers and many others, hundreds of others. The resurrection It's the footing. It's the underpinning of our Christian faith. Paul described it as a matter of first importance. Now, he went on to write in that same chapter, chapter 15, uh, just about this, this matter of the foundational aspect, the first importance of the resurrection. He expounded on it in verses 14 to 17 and 20 to 22. I want to share them with you. Paul wrote this. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, that's Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, that's Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. You see how Paul says this is the linchpin. It's a foundational element to our Christianity. If there's no resurrection, our faith is futile. But Christ has indeed been raised. Now, many have sought to disprove that fact. Many have tried to challenge the validity of the resurrection only to discover the more effort they put into refuting the resurrection of Jesus, the more they discover its absolute certainty and truth. In our time, men like Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell They were notable skeptics who've gone on to write books and make movies because they found the evidence of the resurrection indisputable. C.S. Lewis, he was a Cambridge scholar. He was also an unbeliever who discovered compelling evidence for Christ. And he wrote books like his famous Mere Christianity. There were two Oxford professors in the 18th century, George Littleton and Gilbert West. Around 1750, together, they set out to invalidate Christianity. West focused on disproving the resurrection specifically. And when they came back together to share their research, they both found the other had proved Christianity true. They both had been converted to Christ. They wrote a book 
the history and evidences of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. On the title page, they added this, Blame not before thou hast examined the truth. That's right. Don't consider it false until you look at the evidence. These two men considered it false, but they examined the evidence and they found the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an absolute true fact. It's true. And for all of us, that offers fantastic, amazing hope. Jesus, when he walked out of that tomb and left it empty, he was the first resurrection of many to come. And that's a foundational element of our faith. Jesus defeated death. Now, we're all going to experience death unless we're alive when Christ returns. But otherwise, we all will experience death. And it's nothing to fear. For Jesus, by his resurrection, he's guaranteed for all who die believing in him that a resurrection will follow. A reunion of the physical body that's decayed and gone to dust with our living soul and spirit, that will occur. How can it be? How can there be a resurrection of the dead? That question has been asked for centuries, and it's been answered thoroughly in God's Word. The most thorough answer is given by the Apostle Paul in this letter he wrote to the church in the city of Corinth. Chapter 15. I've used this passage often at funerals. At a cemetery chapel or standing next to a grave, I've shared words from 1 Corinthians 15 to offer hope. Because in the words of the Apostle, writing about the certainty and the truth that Jesus defeated death, there's no better hope. Jesus was resurrected from the dead, the first of many, guaranteeing a resurrection to come. But the words about the resurrection shouldn't be relegated to days of mourning and funerals. There is a daily hope to live by here. Every day is Resurrection Day, not just Easter Sunday. Every day we have the guarantee that this mortal body will put on immortality. And what a hope! But how can it be? Paul answered the question in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul likened the resurrection to a seed going into the ground and coming up altogether different, alive and vibrant. He said, you don't plant something that's alive. Rather, what's dead? Like a seed. A seed just remains a seed. It's a dead seed until it's planted. And then something comes up. So it is with the resurrection. This body of ours will die and it's going to go back to dust. It's going to become uh, dust and ashes. But God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will reunite this body with soul and spirit. Paul wrote, Jesus was the first many will follow. And he offers us words of hope. Don't wait till a funeral to take hold of this hope. Make it a daily hope. Live knowing, live being assured that Jesus sealed a guarantee of life after death when he arose. Death will not hold us down. I conclude with Paul's summation of the resurrection, and I've quoted it so many times at funerals. It's the end of 1 Corinthians, uh, the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let these words be words of life to you this morning. This is verses 51 to 56. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are words of hope this morning. Those are words of life. Yes, we have the victory over death, over death, hell, and the grave because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now Pastor Julie is coming. She's got something that I know will bless you as she continues this message on the resurrection. Good morning, Bethesda. I sure do miss you. It's hard to believe it's Easter Sunday and we're bringing you messages from our family room. Next year, we will be together under one roof. Amen. And good morning to all of you who are joining us for this celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a great reminder this morning. Jesus resurrected from the dead. It is a fact. It is true. We can count on it. Because he resurrected, so will we. He won for us a victory. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory over death and the grave through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our resurrection is assured because of Jesus. And Resurrection Day, what a day that will be when all in Christ get to receive their new bodies. That's better than any Christmas present could ever be, any birthday present could ever be. It is going to be amazing. Bodies that are imperishable, bodies that won't feel pain, bodies that won't experience decay. It's something that we can look forward to in our eternal homes. Hebrews 13:14 reminds us, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Right now, I'm hearing that many of you are kind of sick and tired of being at home. You're feeling cooped up. You're missing some of your favorite places to go. I know I am. We're ready for this quarantine to be over. Now imagine, we are never going to be sick and tired of being in our heavenly home because there won't be any better place to go. And to top it off, we're going to be there in our transformed, resurrected, imperishable, glorious bodies. That's amazing. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 tells us, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious 
body. Now that is a great thought, but often in our humanness, this idea of a transformed, imperishable, glorious body is more like wishful thinking. It can certainly seem too good to be true. It's hard to envision. Although we know it's true, it's hard to wrap our head around. I wanna share a story with you that changed my perspective. I went from wishful thinking to assured thinking. It was April of 1999. Before I share my story, I wanna give you some background. I grew up believing in God, but did not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Yes, I was taught about Jesus, but it hadn't gone from my head to my heart. In my younger years, the God that I knew in my own mind was not a good God. He was a mean God. The way I saw it, a good God would heal my mom of an eye disease that was causing her to go blind. As young as I can remember, I would pray night after night before I went to bed, begging God to heal my mom from going blind. But year after year, her sight got worse and worse until she had no sight at all. I gave up on God. I stopped praying. God wasn't listening to my prayers. My heart was filled with depression and anxiety over the fact that my mom couldn't see. I felt personally rejected by God. I was convinced that my prayers weren't good enough. But that all changed. When I was 29 years old, I learned that my view of God was wrong. He was a good God, and he is a good God. At the age of 29, I became a true believer in Jesus Christ. I learned of his love, his forgiveness, and his promise of eternal life. As I began to trust him more and more, his peace filled my heart and my prayers for my mom changed. I began to pray for her in a different way. It became more important to me that she saw spiritually rather than physically. I wanted to know for sure that my mom was heaven bound. God answered my prayers in a way that I wouldn't have imagined, but our ways aren't his ways. And he is a good God. In Isaiah 55, eight and nine, the Lord declares, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. So true, so true. As God would have it, he used a difficult situation to open my mom's eyes. My brother-in-law, Pastor Pat's brother, passed away at the age of 33, and I know that many of you have heard me talk about that. My mother-in-law exhibited such strong faith in Jesus during the loss of her own son that it witnessed to my mom. My mom knew 
that my mother-in-law's faith was real. And she wanted that kind of faith as well. My mom began listening to the Bible on tape. The word of God was getting into her heart. She heard the scriptures in the book of Acts that spoke of repentance, baptism, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. In obedience to the word of God, she made a decision to be baptized. I'll never forget the day she called me and she told me that she wanted to be baptized. I was so excited. I'm still excited talking about it and it's been over 20 years. She told me she wanted to get baptized on April 9th and I asked and she asked me if I could arrange that. As it turned out, and no coincidence, the next date for baptism at our church was April 9th. God knew that. <laughs> Prior to the day of her baptism, I said to my mom, would you like to be prayed for for the infilling of the Holy Spirit after you get baptized? She paused and said, sure. I would like the full treatment. It was as if she was going to the God Spa on the day of her baptism, being that she was blind, I went into the baptistry with her while Reverend Herbmost baptized her. Afterwards, we went into a room for prayer with others who got baptized. Now the details of what happened in this room are very important, so bear with me and listen closely. I sat on my mom's left. Well, Tom, one of the church leaders, our friend, stood next to her on her right. She had never met him before and, of course, never saw him. Reverend Mose was in the corner with one of the other women who got baptized. Soon after we got settled in there, Pat entered the room, not saying anything. He walked over to my mom and placed his hands on her head. In that moment, my mom was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was evident. It was like the scriptures talk about in the book of Acts. I think if she had sight and she could see where she was going, she would have skipped out of there. The whole ride home, she just kept saying how light and happy and peaceful she felt. A couple days later, she called me and said, Julie, in all the excitement, I forgot to tell you something. I said, what, Mom? What did you forget to tell me? She proceeded to say, I saw you. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, I saw you when we were in that room. Now, I was confused because her eyes were closed the whole time, and she's blind. She said, you were sitting on my left. Then she told me, exactly what I was wearing. Then she said, I saw your long, dark hair and your big brown eyes. She hadn't seen me in years. She went on to say, I saw a man standing on my right, leaning over me. She said he was a black man. I said, yes, mom, he was. That was our friend, Tom. She had never met him before and she had no idea that he was black. Then she said, Reverend Most was in the corner praying for a woman and she described her as well. 
She also said the room was bright like yellow sun shining through. Now here is the super crazy part and a bit awkward to share, but I wanted to be true to my mom's vision. She said, I saw Pat with his hands on my head. I didn't even know he was in the room, she said. Then she shared, he was so beautiful. It was like he had light around him. He looked like he had a golden tan and golden hair. Then she said, and he didn't have his glasses on. And she was very surprised about that. Now this was a very interesting detail. As far as my mom knew, Pat always wore glasses. But what my mom didn't know was during this time, Pat was trying out wearing contacts. I had never mentioned that to her. Now, I wanna remind you again, the whole time I was sitting next to her in that room, her eyes were shut. This was no less of a miracle than if God would have healed her physically. Through the power of his living spirit, God gave her perfect vision. It was spiritual vision. I knew from that day forward, she would see perfectly in heaven. It was such a precious glimpse of glory yet to come. There is nothing in this world that can compare to what God has in store for those who believe in him. Imperishable, glorious bodies is just one amazing part of it. Right now, in the year 2020, there are many people in this world who are blind. They may have 2020 physical vision or close to it, yet they are blind. They are spiritually blind. They don't see their need for Jesus. They live for the here and now with no vision or thought of eternity. What will it take for people to see their need for Jesus? On this Easter Sunday of 2020, when the world seems completely turned upside down, do you believe that God wants to use it to open the eyes of the blind? I sure do. Many are saying we are living in a dark time, an uncertain time. People are so stressed out. People are angry. People are fearful. Many are questioning, where is God in this? I imagine that's what people were thinking who stood at the foot of the cross as they watched Jesus die in agonizing death. I can imagine them saying, where is God in this? As they stared at his bloody body hanging on that cross. But don't we know God was very much in it. Jesus resurrected through something very hard. His glory was revealed. His ways aren't our ways. As we know, this world is so far from perfect. If it were, we would lose sight of our heavenly home and where we're going. While we eagerly await to see our Savior face to face, His Spirit is saying to us today, 
See him as our peace. See him as our strength. See him as our hope. See him as the one who died for our sins. See him as the light in the darkness. See him as risen savior who wants to spend eternity with all who believe in him. In John 11:25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. That is something to celebrate on this Easter Sunday. Amen. Pastor Pat, come and pray for us this morning. A great message, wasn't it? I lived that story. I haven't heard it in a while. And it ties in so well with what we have to look forward to in heaven. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be beyond anything we can describe. And Julie's mom lived just a little part of that. We should be looking forward to it. Now this, this that we're living, the truth of the resurrection, it's true. Let's live it every single day. Let's live as, as resurrected people, resurrected in spirit, looking forward to that bodily resurrection. We're going to pray now for all of those who haven't, uh, just haven't, they, they haven't the 2020 vision, that clear spiritual vision. That's first and foremost. If you have someone in your life, let's pray. Let's pray and ask God, not only for those that may need to know, but even for us, that we would truly receive that resurrection power, that hope, and live, live like we truly have that vision. We see it clearly, and we know our eternal destination. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the truth of the resurrection, the truth that Jesus Christ is alive and that he has made a guarantee for us and God, if there's any, any who don't see that clearly, they don't see clearly that Jesus Christ died for them, that he made a way for them, that he offers them eternal life and beyond this world and into the next, something even uh, miraculous and glorious, our bodies living forever with him in a glorious place. God, I just pray if there's anyone in, in my listening voice who hasn't received Christ Jesus as Lord. God, that you would move on their hearts, Lord. May they see the truth of the resurrection. May they see clearly, like, like those men who were skeptics and they didn't see, but they went and they sought you and they found the truth, Lord. Show the truth to those who are blinded, Lord. Show those, the truth to those who are fearful today, those who don't know you, God. May they see you clearly and receive you. And for those of us, God, that have known you and walked with you, Lord, may we never neglect that resurrection power, the resurrection life, Lord. May we live every day assured of that guarantee. Lord, seal it in us. Seal it in us this Easter day. Lord, we ask it in the powerful and the precious name of our Lord, our resurrected Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.